You know, nothing boosts your spirits like helping others. Hey guys, it's producer Mark here with Start With A Win. This week is all about helping kids and ensuring children's hospitals have the funds they need to care for the more than 10 million kids they help each year. And on today's episode, we have the pleasure of interviewing a huge fan of the Children's Miracle Network, Super Bowl champion, and Hall of Fame quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, Steve Young. His message is about being positive, working hard, and persevering through hard times, as well as helping those in need so that you can really help yourself. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as Adam and I have. I hope that you guys are staying healthy and staying sane. I also want to remind you that if you call our voicemail line, you can ask Adam any question you have, and it'll be played on the podcast and answered by Adam. So call 888-581-4430. All right, that's enough for me. Enjoy the episode. We'll see you guys next week. Every day is filled with choices. You're here because you're choosing to start with a win. Get ready to be inspired, learn something new, and connect with the Win Nation. Live from the National Association of Realtors 2019 Conference and Expo Exhibition floor, Adam Canto, CEO of Remax, will start with a win here with a very special guest, probably one of the best quarterbacks of all time in the NFL, Steve Young. Help me welcome Steve. That's kind of you. Yeah, here in San Francisco, home of the 8-0 San Francisco 49ers. 8-0. So, obviously, you got... Uh, Not that I'm keeping track. No, no. So, you got them over Seattle this coming... On game. Monday night. That's it. Yeah. Well, we know Big deal. That's it. We know who's going to win that. Let me... You know, I, I was flipping through all of the awards that you've won, and it's... I'll t- I had well, you that, got my mom's version, or what? What, you got the uh, yeah, long... Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh. It's, it's hard to memorize Back in it. grade school, I got the uh, spelling... No, I'm just That's joking. it. We, well, we go back to the spelling bee in the third grade. Um, so, uh, That's what I keep track of. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, listen to this. Three-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, seven-time Pro Bowl, three-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, two-times NFL Most Valuable Player, two-times Burt Bell Award, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, two-times NFC Offensive Player of the Year, four-times NFL Passing Touchdowns Leader, six-times NFL Passer Rating Leader, five-times, I mean, this just keeps going. Well, that's, that is my mom's version, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. We'll take it, though, all right? I mean, it is, this is unbelievable because, I mean, still, when you, when you look at overall, the success is created by, by somebody in life in, in a particular space, and we've got the greatest real estate agents in the world right here uh, at, at Remax. You know, it's a lot of inter- it's interesting. Um, you know, football is the ultimate human laboratory, right? right? Because you've got a designated space, right, this line field, and uh, you got 80,000 witnesses, and there's a clock and a score. I mean, think if you lived in, even in real estate, if there, there is, I th- and real estate has elements of that, right? And I think that that truth is what we seek. And so in football, it's, the truth is there every weekend. So every time that someone plays, no, one, no, no quarterback comes after the game and goes, uh, yeah, you know, I was great today. Because everyone else is like, no, you weren't. Like, you were horrible. <laughs> we watched it, you know I mean? Like, you can't fake it. It is the truth, and I appreciate that. And real estate has the same kind of feedback loop. You know what I mean? You can't really say, well, I had a great year. Well, what did you sell? No, yeah. Nothing, but we had a, we had a great year. Great you know? yeah. Like there are scoreboards. I like, I like industries that have scoreboards and clocks and can have more of the truth because I'm in business in private equity today, and some businesses it's hard. It's hard to get people and hold them accountable because you can't, 
you know, it's like difficult. And so you, you seek more things like football so that you can, because people want to be account, held accountable. They want to have, you know, real success. So anyway, that goes, but I, I, I do think real estate has a lot in common with football. Love Although them. they don't hit each no one hits each other. No right? hitting. No, well, no. we in a little, real estate a little bit. It's <laughs> cage it, match. It, it has happened here. You also have a lot of like lonely nights too. I mean, it's it. This is you did not do 15 years and wake up every day and go champion. I mean, you you had to put in the hours and the grind and the off season and in the gym and and the reps on the no, field. I mean, no one can. I mean, I even have tough time taking it in. I had a lot of anxiety as a kid. I was one of those kids that couldn't sleep over on other people's houses. You know, I was like. Oh, I need to be home. I need to be home. And so that kind of genetics kind of finds its way through your life. And I and I, I had a mom call me recently uh, whose daughter is a big athlete and has some of that same stuff. And she goes like, and I was going through my like trying to give her con you know context and what uh, going out there and performing is like. And and I started kind of teared up thinking back on all the hard times. You know what I mean? Just how much I'm like, oh my gosh. I never want to live that out again. You know, I never want to go through that again. I never, and I was just amazed on the other side of my life, looking back and going, wow, that was a lot of hard, like you just read off the, you know, yeah. the list of cool stuff, but that's really cool. But underneath it, to your point, Adam, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot, I don't want to say lonely nights, but it's just a lot of rough times, rough night, and it's just a lot of, Challenges and so many forks in the road. Um, you know, interesting. When I was in college, I got there as a freshman at BYU, and the offensive coordinator for the team was an old guy uh, named Doug Scoville, and uh, and he walked up to me as a freshman and said, "You know, I don't to I don't coach lefties, so you you're not going to play quarterback here." And I was like, "Oh, that I guess I don't know what to do." If he hadn't have left, at the end of my freshman year, he got a job at San Diego State, took the head job. If he would have stayed, I would have never played quarterback. He was not going to coach a lefty, oh, which wow. sounds weird, right? I mean, but today in the NFL, you've got 32 teams, and there's a backup, a starter and a backup, so there's 64 jobs in the NFL for quarterbacks. How many lefties? How many? Six, you say? One? Ten? Zero. Zero lefties for the last three years. Wow. No, I'm just saying, like, maybe Doug was onto something. I don't know. <laughs> but I just think, though, you talk about the forks in the road and the things that had to happen that were out of my control, uh, let alone the things that were in my control, uh, to have that kind of success. And uh, he left, and a new guy came in named Ted Tolner, and he saw me throw, and he goes, wow, you're a really good thrower. So then I played quarterback. So it's just, we all face mitigating circumstances that sometimes are out of our control that we have to just pray there's a way around it, you know? And then the things that we can control, I always say, you got to go through it. Do not go around it. You've got to go right down the middle of it. Some of the toughest stuff. So you bring up a thing I've been thinking a lot about trying to tell my kids that life's not easy because right. my kids think it's easy and uh, they're going to find out it's not. But you, you always, I mean, it's interesting because not only were you one of the greatest passers in NFL history, but you were a scrambler too. I was. You had Plan B. I can. I don't know how to play football without Plan B. I admire the Peyton Manning and the and the Tom Brady's, the Dan Marinos. They only have Plan A. Right. And I just tip my cap to somebody who has no Plan B, because <laughs> if you've ever seen Tom Brady run, it is not pretty. Uh, 
uh, you know, and you know, he's my dear friend, but it's just like even Peyton Manning run, it's like not great, and Dan Reno run, it's like there's a reason. So then I have to just say, if you have, how good do you need to be to be one of the greatest of all time, or if not the greatest of all time, and not have a plan B? That is amazing to me. So as much as I accomplished, I have to say the guys that didn't have the ability to kind of go out and run, I honestly, I just, I don't know how they did it. So it's even more remarkable, their story and how they play the game and how they have to do it without many options and still are the best. I just, as much as I've played, I still am in amazement of others that I've seen, so. Interesting. So biggest challenge that you had growing up? I mean, it's, you know, you, you achieved so much. What was, your, what was your biggest challenge that you faced growing up? Uh, growing up, I don't know. I, I grew up on the mean streets of Greenwich, Connecticut. I don't know if anybody knows uh, where that is. That guy um, does. Yeah. <laughs> And that's supposed to be a joke because Greenwich is one of the more affluent <laughs> communities in America. <laughs> but uh, the biggest challenge, really, I had a bucolic kind of upbringing. A lot of my, my friends were all kind of the melting pot of America, you know, and a lot of uh, really, if you said to say, um, who were all my friends? They're all Italian Catholic kind of middle of the world, great families that lived mom and dad and then the mom, grandma lived next door and the uncle lived next door and they had wow. you know perna lane and the, all the five generations of pernas lived on that lane and so that's how i that's my experience growing up and so i you know my friendships were multi-generational and right. and and deep and and the roots a lot of rootedness and so i look back uh, i wish i had lived in a place like that for my kids today because they just don't have that rootedness and yeah so i don't have many complaints about growing up cool. i there were some, you know, it was always a challenge, but they were typical challenges. I, I didn't have to face too much. And that's why we get into Children's Miracle Network. I, I got to college at BYU in my freshman year in 1983, and REMAX has been supporting Children's Miracle Network since 1992. I don't know how many millions and millions of dollars have you given to Children's yeah, Miracle Network. Uh, uh, where, where's Mike at? How, where are we at now? 156. So $156 million. Yeah. And this is not like, oh, they cut a $10 million check at the end of the year. They raise it to each agent each trans i mean they it's each person kind of throws in a couple dollars yep and uh and that's what's great about children's miracle network and uh and i started in 1983 my freshman year at byu and marie osmond who was uh they had the osmond studios just up the street and her and john schneider got up this great idea of raising money for children's hospitals and that's where it started and so the first one they said i was playing quarterback at byu said why don't you come up and uh, be part of the first thing at Primary Children's Hospital in Salt Lake City. They were raising money. They started on one hospital. Uh, and so I went up, and so I've been doing that for years and years. But I remember the first time I went to the hospital, I'd never been to a hospital. You're talking about my growing up. Right, like, what was yeah. your growing up? Like, wow. I'd never been to a hospital. Wow. Uh, other than, I guess, being born. I don't remember that one. So, uh, <laughs> and so it was a children's hospital. I was going through it, and I was, like, uh, you'd think human beings would understand that other human beings are suffering. But I didn't understand that. I didn't, I was like, holy crap, these kids are suffering. This is brutal. And the thing that I took away from the day of going up there and kind of being around was why are they so, not necessarily happy, but joyful and like positive. I met a bunch of kids that are super suffering and they were positive. And I'd, I'd say, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm doing great. And I'm under my breath. I'm like, no, you're not doing bad and this honest reaction that i had in front of these kids 
still this day, kind of, I remember just this um, intense moment where I realized that so much of their success and how they saw the, the way out was their spirit. It was basically, I'm doing this. And so for now, 30 years, how many? 35. 30, 35 years. That can't be possible. That's <laughs> nuts. Um, you know, years later, I find myself wanting to remain a child in that way so that I cannot have the, you know, the typical cynicism and just the life to get in the way of, of a really childlike, appreciative, thoughtful, I'm going to do this, we're going to be okay, you know, and people can say, well, that's, that's childlike, that's not, that's not real. But then I watch them and how they heal and how they respond and how they overcome, and I'm like, that's real. It's real, yeah. I want that. And so I give that to you today to reclaim that childlike spirit that is not full of cynicism and, and rigor that we all lived with, right? That we all can get kind of calloused over. So that's, I don't know how I got on that. What did you ask me? What am my no, childhood no, was no. like? No, no, no. This yeah. is perfect. I, I, that was my <laughs> yeah. next question. You asked Steve. me how my childhood was like, okay, I got a long <laughs> that was, yeah, answer. That was, that, was, that was my next question. But I mean, and, and I was going to ask you, how did you get into that? But I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. And you chose to stick with it for 35 years. You, you chose to, to well, continue to Well, interestingly enough, I mean, I was, I think it was that first experience. Yeah. You know, at the hospital, I was like, this is crazy. This is suffering, and I don't like it. And I want, you know, how can I help? And the funny thing is, is that inevitably, when you get involved with helping people, most of the time, the attraction is more what you get back. Like, wow, well, the world that I, I'm given a few hours to Chosen American Network, Network, and I can tell you that it's influenced my life, like, since then. So it's like, I keep doing it, and like, why do you keep doing it? Well, I actually get this weird dynamic, I actually get more back. And so we've been doing it a long time. Oh, my gosh. They can't get rid of me. Even, even Marie, you know, is like, well, I've been doing it for 37. What did you say? 37 You're, you're years? 35 years on it. 35. Yeah. So it's like, how is it possible that I've been doing it that long? And uh, so we just keep at it. And uh, it's amongst a number of things that I do. But I'm really grateful for my associates with children. And you've seen, you've seen the balloons, right? You know what Children's Miracle Network yep. is. You know this at Remax is doing it. But, you know, you see it at Costco. You see it at... Uh, CVS and Rite Aid and everywhere. And it's all that. And everybody's doing car washes to raise money for the local children's hospital. So that's how it works. It's, and I mean, such an amazing uh, charity. I, I have three kids myself. We've visited, uh, you know, hospitals before, unfortunately, but, but um, nothing to the extent of, of what you see really deep down in the, the uh, children's hospitals, which is it's love the moment you walk in that front door and, and, and kids that are, their spirits are greater than their suffering it's crazy. so much. It, I, I, it's inspirational. I, I, honestly, if you're having a bad day, go over there and read to the kids. Oh, it's amazing. Honestly. I mean, if you're like, man, I'm really depressed. I'm bummed. Things are not good. I, I'm telling you, the, some of the best therapy is just to go and be around the kids. I, I promise you on that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, hey, let's, let's talk about, we got into the kids a little bit here. You're, what do you think about their you know, how they overcome the challenges. And most make it, some don't, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we had uh, yesterday Bruce Johnson. He's raised uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars doing Motorcycle for Miracles mm. for Children's Miracle Network. That's great. Uh, they just rode uh, 15,800 miles this past year to raise money, uh, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that. But you walk in there and you think to yourself, you know, all the, 
the things that you've been up against, the challenges you've been up against, and you see this child up against life or death. Mm. Well, what? I can tell you, you know, every year in Orlando at Disney World, they yes. bring in 50 heroes. They're, every state puts forward a young miracle story. And this child comes in, and they do Canada and then internationally, and they bring them all in for a week at Disney World. And you can imagine the kids loving that. And part of that is uh, an award ceremony that they have for the kids, so all the, all the uh, miracle kids. And uh, everyone has a different story. I mean, it's like you can imagine. There's probably 100 kids, and every, you can you think about it. There's just incredible stories. And, uh, and so they'll have them call them up on stage. And the thing that, I, that I've always been amazed at is as they wait in line to go up on stage, almost every year something happens with three or four of the kids. A lot of times it's what they have, wheelchairs, or they have mostly crutches. And they've been on these crutches, and they, they throw them down. They don't want to go on stage looking like they're hurt. I watch this. Like, like I tear up. It's like... You can see in their eyes, I'm not, not, it's not going down this way. And they throw them down, and they, go, uh, and they go up, and you can see the grit. You talk about warriorship, you know, like when, oh, it's third and ten, or it's, we're down by 50, and, you know, we got we to gotta rise up, we got to do this, we got to meet the challenge. And then I think that is every ounce of their human being is to get on that stage without those crutches. And I just, uh, you just go, it just takes your breath away. You know, the oh. And I think that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I see the kids. Why are they getting better? Why do they actually have miracles happen to them? Because they're f- totally open, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, to some miracle. I, just, I think there's something there. And then nothing gets in the way. No cynicism, no, you know, no doubt. No, that's like, it's just, just straightforward. And that's why I encourage you guys to think about this because there is something there. And I, I'm trying to hold on to it. I'm trying to like, I know I'm getting old, but I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be a kid. And, uh, and I really do. I think that's, it's not fake. It's, uh, there's something about the will of the human spirit, something else. So I, I think about all the things that I had to face. And I remember I was just talking about all these hard times I had. And uh, man, I tear up at that. Like that's some hard times. But I don't think I've ever faced something that I had to take every last ounce of myself. Felt like it at times, but I don't know if I ever met that 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 challenge. So, you you talk about miracles, and these kids are miracle kids, miracle children, champions. Champ, that's what I, well. I should have yeah. said. That that's the word they use, champion. I would say miracle, but what do their faces tell you when you see them? I think there's a there is an innocence to it. We as adults can go to them and say, like I did the first time, hey, it's not so good. It's bad. And you're right. But I think there is a way that you look at the world. Like it's like that old half-empty glass, right? It's like it really is. It's good and it's going to get better. And so there is something about that. So, I, I, I mean, we don't want to belabor it, but uh, it's why, I mean, I've seen REMAX agents for now, what, 25 of the years. Yep. And they'll, individuals come down there every year, different people that are allowed to, you know, they get say win or they, they qualify or whatever and... They come down and see this for themselves. And then every year, there's like, I got to come back, you know, because you get to see this for yourself. It feels like such a privilege to be able to, to do this. It's, I'm honored to be affiliated with an organization that, that has got this going on. And I know so many people here with the Miracle Home program, home sellers, when they 
they know that their home's a miracle home. I mm. mean, it's just that's cool. It I like that. Makes such a, a big difference to know that okay, when when I sell my house, I get to help the kids. Yeah. Well, and I think that I mean that's why real estate is interesting business because you're actually I mean their your home is your fourth child. You know, I mean it's like it's your home. So you're actually in an intimate space in their in their world, and so you have a real challenge. You know, there's a business part of it, and there is a you know, just nuts and bolts of it. But I think there's a, there should be a spirit to that business. Your business should be full of kind of a spirit of how you look at what people are going through and what they're doing. And so you guys are connected in that way. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. There's a lot of jobs that aren't, and, and you know, don't have that exposure uh, to the intimate part of people's lives. So uh, you're lucky in that way. Real estate's kind of a cool thing and, uh, and a huge challenge, I know. <laughs> and Steve, very competitive. Being a champion yourself, I mean, we read... So how many yeah, get times the list out again. We yeah, let's, let's go through the we list. We want to again. go through the list one more but time. You're a champion. These, these guys are champions. Those kids are the greatest champions of all time. I mean, what, we all come across some challenges as champions. You don't become a champion because life is just handed to you. Right. You, you've got to fight for it. Yep. I mean, what, what are some pieces well, of advice? Well, you know advice? what? I guarantee you, if we went around, if we could actually drop all of our insecurities and worries and fears and anxieties, and we could hear stories. I bet you there's 15 or 20 stories in here that would just take our breath away of people that have faced things that you're like, oh, my gosh, you are not only a miracle, you're an inspiration. And so I think we're full of them. And sometimes I think we even individually forget what we've accomplished. Just what I talked about talking to this mom about my past. You know, I kind of went on and I've been trying to raise kids and make sure that we do all the right things. And I'd kind of forgotten about all the things that had happened. All of a sudden, I'm like, holy crap, I face a lot of stuff and I think that's probably true for most most humans and I think we should probably you know kind of it's too bad we can't relate on that level like you know carry around our most difficult parts of our lives so that we can support each other you know that's the that's the real challenge is I know there's a lot of people here right in front of me I'm sure they go they could use a hug and just a you know fairly well gonna go get them and and support and I don't know how we do that better but I think Children's Miracle Network is a part of Showing that spirit, that's for sure. And there's a lot of things that happen in life that uh, they're good people. But I just think in the end, it can't be a zero-sum game. It can't be just we're limited by a finite number of th- you know, good or bad things, and we're just going to fight. And in the end, the, f- the fight is on, and then I got mine, and you didn't get yours. And so, too bad, I got... It just cannot be that way. And I think that we are so stuck in that mentality... And my, you ask my philosophy of life is you really can find one plus one equals three. You really can find abundance in collaboration, in common ground, in seeing each other as fellow travelers on a human you know, journey. Like it sounds foo-foo and goofy, but I think at our fundamental level, we've lost uh, the way that we react, interact, especially politically in, in today, is that, you know, it's winners and losers, and, uh, and if I win, I make fun of the loser. And if I lose, I come back, I'll, I'm going to battle you and fight you and, and hate you until I get mine. And it's just yuck. So anyway, I, when you talk about put Children's Miracle Network, I'm like, huh, oh, that's something we can do for a while. That's something that we can actually all feel good about. So um, I love it. I love it. That's good. So on, uh, I started with the Win Podcast. I always ask a couple different questions, one of which is, do you have a favorite quote? What quote do you think of when you really want to? center yourself. Do you have one of those? Well, I, I've always told myself that, you know, the game is not about comparing. I really do believe what I try to do is try to get better every day. 
and I kind of take an inventory. And there are many days I go, I got bad, I got worse. I did not pull my weight today. And I think that's in my fundamental kind of philosophy is in a, a, I don't know, a quote I gave a long time ago that I see every once in a while is, you know, it really is about getting better every day. And it's not about, other, you know, someone else's. I, I, I had to replace Joe Montana in this town. Joe Montana was the king. He was the king's king. Joe Montana, they, when I was playing behind him, honestly, when I started to replace him, when I threw an interception, they're like, Joe never did that. I said, yes, he did. Look at the Google it, you know? That wasn't out by then, but I mean, like, he had 183 of them. No, he didn't. Look me right in the eye. No, he didn't. And I'd lose a game. He's like, Joe didn't ever lose. I guess he did lose. Like, that was the member. That's how he was the king. I was the replacement. I was the poor excuse for a replacement. And it was rough. It was so rough. And I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to be Joe Montana. Like, I can't even describe it to you. Like, how can I prove to these people that I'm like him? Or that I could be as good as him? Or that I could do the things that he did? And I went to my, almost to my grave, trying to do that. And one day I got on a, a plane with Steve Covey. You ever heard of Steve Covey? Yep. He was a famous guy that wrote Seven Habits books. He's now passed away, sweet man. And I told him how horrible my life was. My, my life, brutal. Trying to replace Joe Montana, it's just, it's, it's terrible. It's ter and I, and I, was in a, I was depressed, I was in a hole, deep hole. And I told him, I was on the plane, I told him all about it. He goes, you know, Steve, I, I hear you, it's tough. But let me ask you a couple of questions. Bill Walsh, he's the coach of the team. What do you think of him? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that guy's amazing. He is, he's so far ahead of the game. He's, uh, he's taking football and giving it to uh, – we were so archaic in how we treated human other, other players and how we fed them, how we looked at their lives, how we partnered with them. He's just an amazing guy, what he's done uh, to enlighten football. And he goes, yeah, I heard that about him. I'd love to meet him one day. And he said, and Joe Montana's on the team, right? And I'm like, Yeah. That's the problem, right? <laughs> and he goes, but if you could go talk to him and like for mentorship, like you had a question about something and you, you needed a mentor, could you go ask him? And I go, yeah, I, I could go ask him. He, he'd tell me what to do. He goes, Steve, I got to be honest with you. I travel the whole world looking for corporations, businesses, platforms, we'll call them, where human beings can iterate and find out if they can get better every day. And then I, I find those qualities of those companies and families and everything else, and I try to promote them because I want everyone to know that this is what life's all about, to find a place where you can actually have a, where, where you work can actually help you get better every day. He says, I'm looking all over the world, and I got to be honest, sitting next to you, you might have the best one I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, I hate this, you know? He says, but the problem is that you don't recognize that like, let me ask you one question. Do you want to see how good you can get? Because it's a challenge. It's just a risk. Like, you might not be as good as you thought, but are you willing to iterate and try and see how good you can get? I go, yeah. Well, then, here you are. Like, this is the place, you know? And I just turned my whole world upside down right in that moment. And I realized I've looked at this the whole wrong way. And I never looked back. Never. 
And every day was a new day to go see, face the challenge. It's not easy, but I'm about me, me getting better. And in the getting better means that I have to be a better human. I have to be influence other people's lives better. And I have to perform better. I have to do it. I have to get better. And it took me out of this funk. I never thought again about Joe Montana. I'm like, oh, this weight. Oh, I, I don't know. I can't even hardly breathe. Like I never even thought about it again. And he saw me in 1991 when I was in the depth of this despair. And in 1992, I was the MVP of the NFL. Well, I only say that because there's no way that you can be in a hole, depressed, sad, and miserable, and have those kind of things happen. But with the proper perspective on the opportunity that's in front of you that I wasn't appreciating, I'd made it so miserable. I'd created what was the greatest opportunity of my life and made it miserable. I mean, what an idiot. I mean, what, who does that? We all do that, right? We right. all do that. Like, we have this tremendous opportunity. And it reminds me all the time when I'm, my kids are driving me crazy. I'm like, but the truth is, it's the greatest opportunity to raise kids. Like, like that's awesome. And I have to remind myself of that all the time when my sessions, they get teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're completely blessed with where we're at. I mean, it just, you, you look at the opportunities in front of us and, you know, you want to be reminded of it, walk into a, a children's hospital or something like that and, and, and find your spirit again. You talk about getting better every day. Do you have a daily ritual? Do you, do you start with a win somehow? Is there something that you put in your life so you, you build some forward momentum each day? I wish I should, probably should. I, I think I just have a general sense of what I'm trying to get done. And there's like a, it's like a standard, like, you know, and I'll, even midday I'll be like, right, come on, get with the program, you know, <laughs> let's do this. And so I, I think it's just a general sense of what I'm trying to do every day. I'm a prayerful guy, and so that's, you know, kind of a big piece of the puzzle. I always feel like I'm connected to something big, bigger than me, and so that I never get, I don't ever get lost without purpose. I feel like I always have a purpose. Uh, sometimes it's hard to see and hard to feel, but, you know, I keep going. So it's like, I wish there was an app I could give you, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there is an app, by the way, for that. You guys are probably tell me. Cool. But uh, nothing, right. nothing really fancy. Someone once said, and maybe it was Steve Covey, I can't remember the conversation, but in my head I've always had this thought of, go find out what the full measure of who you are is. What's the full measure of it? You know, and, and let's go figure it out. And when, in those days when I was like, I'm not figuring that out today. It is not happening. Uh, I try to, you know, kind of create something that has a sense of that. So, I don't know. This is all over a period of long years. You know, I quit playing 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. And uh, it's almost like two lives. I got married right at the time I, I retired, started having kids. So there's my family. No one knows anything about football. My oldest is uh, at Manhattan School of Music as a freshman. He's a music theater major, uh, singer and actor. and He hates football. He has, well, not he hates it, but he just is not interested in it. Never was, ever. And my second boy is more of a gamer. He thinks he's going to make a, he's a professional. I'm going to be a professional gamer, Dad. Like... No, you're not. <laughs> it's not going to fall for that. <laughs> so there's not a lot of football in my home. But uh, every day is something unique. You know, like raising a boy that is not an athlete is not, like, I, it's easy to raise yourself. But raise somebody that's not yourself. I mean, it's been a huge challenge. Like, how do I, like, I take singing lessons now and try to, like, it's bad. But, uh, you know, like, how do I get into what he's interested in? what he loves and it's completely different than what I loved 
And now that I've developed that love for Broadway, like I'm, I can see how people love it, you know? And I've actually changed my, opened my eyes a little bit more. And, uh, and he's out there doing it every day. That's what he's 100% committed to. In my life, it's always something new and different. That's Love sure. it. We'll look forward to seeing you on the marquee on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, <or>. yeah. <laughs> late, late bloomer. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought about that. It's interesting you say that because I, I feel like I've really enjoyed Braden as he's gotten invo- more involved. And like he's, he's the lead in the plays, and, and he never showed us the thing, never practiced around us. I had no idea. When I went to sit down and watch him, I'm like, I have no idea if he's what he did. or He'd come out, and he just killed it, and he was just... He was so, you know, so good. And I started to feel that performance, like, kind of like football in a way, like performing is so, something really cool. Wouldn't it be like to be on stage? And so I've actually thought about that recently, <laughs> like as an old guy going to some local theater, like trying out for Pippin or, you know, or for, uh, <laughs> Octa- what is it, Octavia, Fiddler on the Roof, what is it, Octavia? Who's the, who's the character? I can't remember. Tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Whole, well, new, whole new world. Do that. Well, help me, I, help me I, say I, thank you to Steve Young for being on the show today. Great. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thank you so much for listening to Start With a Win. If you'd like to ask Adam a question and potentially be on our next episode, give us a call and leave us a message at 888-581-4430. Don't forget to go on to iTunes and subscribe, write a review, and rate the show. For more great content, follow Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And remember, start with a win.